fellow lighting nerds and friends, and welcome to The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thanks for checking in and listening again. I sure appreciate it. Um, I realized as I uh, got some feedback on last week's episode, some really great feedback, and um, I really appreciate it when y'all reach out to me. It um, is super helpful and helps uh, keep the ideas fresh and flowing, so I really, really appreciate it. Um, But I realized that um, some of you listening might not know who I am. I know. So weird. (laughs) But I thought maybe I'd give myself a little bit of an introduction in this episode, uh, eight episodes in, maybe maybe a tad delayed, but. Anyway, my name is Lisa Bartlett. Um, For a long time in the industry, I was known as Lisa Dixon because that was my name. Uh, But I got married in late 2019 to uh, my longtime partner. Um, So anyway, so it's Lisa Bartlett now, formerly Dixon. I am uh, an owner of Pace Lighting. I'm the uh, majority owner of Pace Lighting, a lighting, independent lighting showroom, of course, in Savannah, Georgia. Um, And I'm also the founder of, well, I'll just, I won't put any judgment on it, but I uh, initially started the Lighting Showroom Coalition uh, private Facebook group for the lighting industry. Um, There's a long story there. Maybe one episode we'll get into it. (laughs) But uh, I started that group and that led to a lot of um, industry engagement and activity uh, that a lot of us in the industry found very useful and helpful for uh, what we do day to day. So that uh, that group kind of morphed over time into the official nonprofit trade association, the Lighting Showroom Association, of which I'm one of the um, founding uh, board members of that as well. Um, so that's uh, just a really brief history. I started working uh, at Pace Lighting um, just as an employee. I would mentioned this in a previous podcast. I started working here in um, the very beginning of t- 2009. Um, so I have been in the industry a little while, and um, I sure do love it which is why I do things like this podcast. (laughs) And it means so much when you guys reach out to me and uh, share your insight or thoughts or even just words of encouragement. Um, If there's ever constructive criticism, we love to hear that too. Um, I just sure appreciate y'all taking the time out of your days to listen to these episodes. Um, Please share it with friends if you find it useful or interesting. I really do think... Uh, communication and having a little bit of opacity <laughs> in the industry is a good thing. I don't think everything should be so like vague and shrouded. Um, I just think it's we're all better partners when we can truly be partners together, sort of like in a marriage or any other serious personal relationship. Um, if somebody's withholding information from you or just, you know, being uh, unclear. It can be hard to be a true good partner with that person. So I think, just my own personal opinion, I think to some degree, uh, disclosing a little bit more information between key partnerships, key partnerships, not every partnership necessarily, but your strong core key partnerships, I think um, open communication there is really important to us all growing together, being successful together. Um, so So yeah, so that's partly why I do this. And plus, I just love the industry and what we do every day. 
And so that's why I'm here. So anyway, uh, I have a new Instagram account for the uh, podcast. It's at Light Files, um, or you can follow me at Lisa Lights Life. Um, please, again, share with friends, rate, subscribe, review, all those things. I super, super appreciate it. So getting into the episode today, I wanted to talk about light fixture allowances. <laughs> so I know we're all, uh, to some degree here, I'm going to be preaching to the choir, right? Because all of us are going to believe that uh, fixture allowances are too low in most new home or even renovation projects. Um it, it, it's what we do for a living. We obviously understand the importance of lighting. Uh, we love it. We want to make money. So we want to sell more stuff. <laughs> so a, a little bit of preaching to the choir, but I would also like us all to like brainstorm a bit about how we can make some industry-wide change in this issue of lighting allowances being far too low for what is reasonable. So I'm just going to toss out some ideas and would love everyone's feedback. And um, I can package that all up in and revisit it in a later episode, maybe with some ideas that people throw out. Um, I just really think this is going to be critical um, to long-term success and continued success in the industry is increasing light fixture allowances. And this is a whole other topic that might be a little tricky to talk about, so I'll save it for now. But um, decreasing designer and builder discounts. So like if they get a 20% discount, decreasing it to 10, something like that. But anyway, we'll save the discount and pricing stuff for another time because that's a whole other kind of conversation. So light fixture allowance. I mean, I sometimes I feel like we're lucky if we get one or two percent. <laughs> I think what a lot of us would love to see is more like five to six percent of the price of a home being in light fixtures. So I know we're all smart people. We all have calculators, but just I just did some quick math. So on a three hundred thousand dollar home, it, that would be an eighteen thousand dollar fixture package. $500,000 home, that's a $30,000 fixture package, million dollar home, $60,000 fixture package if we're working off of that 6% allowance number. And honestly, none of that sounds crazy to me. And what I think gets missed so much, and I really don't understand why, and this is definitely something I would love to kind of dig into because I think if we could address this why, uh, we could really impact some change in consumer shopping behavior. But why is lighting so undervalued when it is something that we all use literally every single day when we're home? Like everyone in their home, they're using their lighting every single day. You use your refrigerator every day. Don't necessarily use the fancy range every day. Um, there's a lot of things that people invest in in their home that they're not using every day, like their lighting, you know, unlike their lighting, which they are using every day. And having the correct lighting makes such a difference. Again, totally preaching to the choir here. I know you all get it. But having come from a, a nonprofit trade association background, literally knowing absolutely nothing about lighting, absolutely nothing other than I flip that switch, that light comes on. Cool. I'm done. That's all I knew. Now that I'm in it and understand CRI, Kelvin temperatures, all of the things about lighting and not just the technical side, even just the, 
the and the placement of light fixtures, even just the beauty that it can add to a space by having it a, a really stunning light fixture as opposed to a you know ten dollar flush mount, it makes so much of a difference and impact in the look and feel of a home. And I don't understand how that message is constantly missed by the public at large. Like, where have we failed as an industry that people aren't just clamoring for bigger lighting allowances because it is so critical to the warmth of a home, to the coziness of a home, to the style of a home, all of those things, lighting has such an impact on, but yet our customers basically ignore us. And we're like the last thing chosen. If it comes down between us and fancy quartz or marble countertops, the countertops win every day. And yeah, I love a gorgeous countertop as much as the next person. They're stunning. But why is lighting given such a short shrift? I I truly don't get it. I know that I'm passionate about it and I know that I love it and I love what I do. And in my own home, I've seen such a difference, you know, since I've gotten into the industry. I'm like, oh, yeah, great lighting really does make a big difference. We're not just making this up. So I get that I have drunk the Kool-Aid. But how do we get everyone else to drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid? Because it isn't a make-believe thing. It is a true fact of life for people um, in the, you know, getting, I don't know, I hate to say elderly, but aging populations. It becomes even more important to have critical, good lighting. Like, it is so important to have great lighting as your eye ages. I know we've all, you know, done the seminars and read the studies on how much more light you need as you age as opposed to when you're, you know, 25. And like, it it just shouldn't be something that's overlooked. So how do we get homeowners to be aware of this? Oh, and just as a sidebar, I um, was having a conversation with somebody I just met out in the general public. They're building a home. So of course I ask, you know, uh, it's in my local area. So I ask which builder. And, you know, and he tells me, and then he said, yeah, uh, we just chose the very least expensive light fixture package because we hated all the options and we're just going to go replace them. So we told them to not even put anything in the bedrooms, just blank those off, give us your very cheapest package, and we're going to go replace it. And in one sense, I'm like, yeah, totally get it. Uh, And I think you're correct in that you need to get better upgraded lighting. But also, why is that a situation homeowners even have to deal with in the first place? At least this uh, couple understood (laughs) that they wanted better lighting. So that's a win right there that they were even just thinking about it instead of just being like, yeah, I don't I don't really care as long as I flip the switch and a light comes on. I don't really care what it looks like or if it's effective light or useful or pretty. So at least they understood that part of it, which, you know, made me happy. But the fact that this is even a situation that people are okay with, I'm going to spend $250,000 on a brand new, you know, quote unquote dream home, uh, but I'm going to have to go replace all the lighting because what you're offering me is just terrible. It's just such a weird disconnect for me. Um, But hey, maybe I'll get a customer out of it. So I guess that's a strategy right there. (laughs) But I really want to focus in on how do we change this mindset of what's the appropriate lighting allowance for a home? Do we create uh, an online calculator? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowners, (laughs) whoever. Uh, 
enter your the purchase price of your home and here's what your light fixture allowance should be. And if it's not, you really need to have your contractor work this out and correct it. So is it an online calculator? Is it um, cute little digital marketing videos that we put out on the internet? Um, is, <laughs> is it uh, getting somebody that's high profile in the design industry? I'll just pick Chip and Joanna Gaines, but you know, think of whoever you want to pick. Do we find somebody like that who really champions lighting uh, in a high profile way? Uh, is it all of us incrementally working out of our independent lighting showrooms who really work on our builders? Like if we have some sort of like industry fact sheet or something that really encourages them like, oh, yeah, we really do need to be spending money on this. Like how we need to show them how great lighting really increases the perceived value of their entire product. Right, because that's how they're going to want to increase the lighting allowance is if it makes the value of their product appear greater. And we in the industry understand that, yes, for sure it can uh, and does increase the perceived value of a home when it has great, effective, useful lighting um, that is trendy on, on, you know, on style, uh, but goes well with the rest of the decor. Like all of these things make for a great home and just something that you want to invite your friends and family in. And again, I have drunk the lighting industry Kool-Aid, but I think having the right lighting is an important part of that. We all know that when you walk into a room or a home, the first thing your eyes are drawn to, aside from your friends and family, is the lighting in the space uh, just as a natural course of being a human. Our eyes are attracted to light. There we go. We've, we look at the lights. It can just make such a big difference. So I'm really interested in what you guys think about how, well, A, do you concur that this is an issue? That light fixture allowances are too small, unreasonable, um, they just don't make sense? Or do you think they're basically fine considering um, I suspect most of us think they're too low, but I am I would love to hear feedback on that. And then B, how do we really make a real shift in this? Like there's been, and maybe we just, I, we just need to do some research. Like there's definitely been a shift in upgrading surfaces in the home, like countertops and flooring. Uh, how do we create a similar shift in lighting and have people really get the value that great lighting brings to their home so that they're not like uh, discouraged by how much it costs because it's so worth the investment. I really believe that every dollar spent on lighting really pays off investment-wise when it is the correct layout, the right fixtures for the space, well-planned. It really pays off. Um, I have a, like an older home that was you know built in the 70s and all these weird additions. It's got some really quirky things about it. But when we redesigned the lighting, when we moved into the home, it really does add a nice sense of cohesion to the whole house that is a little kind of disjointed without it. Um, And of course, most people that come to my home know what I do for a living, so they tend to be complimentary of the lighting. But I still like to think that they would compliment me anyway, (laughs) even if they didn't know what I did for a living. (laughs) So I just really think this is something we need to focus on as an industry Um, I'm sure as a part of the Lighting Showroom Association, we're going to have some strategies and things we're going to try to do with this topic. 
Um, but I think we'll do better at it the more input we get back from you all about where you see the changes, like where do the changes need to happen in your opinion? Is it trying to get somebody high profile to champion the cause? Is it really just drumming this message home, like targeting builders, targeting remodelers directly, and really driving this message home to them about how much the value of their product is increased by having better lighting, bigger lighting allowances, all of those things. So let me know what you think, and we'll put together some thoughts on this, and uh, and I'll, I'll report back. Um, but I do definitely think this is an issue as an industry, manufacturers and showrooms together. We really need to tackle this head on, because look, if we can convince everyone to increase their light fixture allowances, even a small percentage to start just to show them how much it's paying off. That's more sales for independent lighting showrooms and that's more sales for manufacturers. Like uh, in this situation, getting this course corrected really benefits all of us in the industry. It doesn't just benefit showrooms. It benefits showrooms, manufacturers, sales agents, all of us. So I definitely think it's a challenge that we really should all put our minds together and try to tackle together. Because in my opinion, allowances are too low, budgets are too small for lighting, and we really need to work on changing that mindset and getting them to where they need to be. So some of your feedback. I wanted to kind of conclude this episode with a little bit of a discussion about, well, okay, so I listen to the Freakonomics podcast. I listen to lots of podcasts, but um, I listen to the Freakonomics podcast. And just to paraphrase something that was in an episode recently, um, it, it the basically the paraphrase is, with greater con- success comes a smaller perceived margin for error in our day-to-day lives and activities. And just thinking about the episode I put out a couple back about my leadership journey, which I'm definitely going to revisit that topic because I really think that kind of helped a lot of us think about how we lead and what we need to do in the future and being grateful for what we do have. Um, I definitely think there's really some more to talk about there. But this whole concept of this idea of the more successful you become. So on your leadership journey, the more successful you become at being a strong leader, there is this perception, and I think it's probably accurate, that the more success means the less margin of error you have. So like when I started as a leader and I wasn't terribly successful at it, at least not at first, um... There, there was a lot of room around the margins <laughs> to play with my behavior and get better and better. But as I have become better and more successful, that margin of error, that margin for kind of making a misstep and screwing something up feels like it's shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So then it gets, for a person like me, it, it becomes like, uh, kind of makes me freeze in place a little bit. Like, okay, the margin for error is smaller oh, I don't want to mess anything up. So then you become hesitant to make any changes, even though for a good forward progression of my business and my job, changes around the edges are always going to be needed. There is, as we know, literally (laughs) always room for improvement. Um, So it's just something to think about, about how you balance that need for 
continued personal development and professional development and growth um, with a fear of, okay, well, I've gotten this far and been relatively successful. I don't want to like make a misstep and cause a lot of damage to that. Whereas before, okay, if I set one foot in the wrong direction, okay, well, eh, I'm still learning. I messed up it, onward. But now I feel like at this level that I'm at, at least perceived in my own mind, uh, if I make a misstep, it's going to have a really negative, uh, tremendous impact. And it, it's just something that I've been thinking about in my head since I heard this. Like, again, the paraphrase with greater success becomes a smaller perceived margin for error. And I'd just be really interested to hear, do you have that same perception in your business or do you feel like, no, success and making a mistake are really, they're, you know, mutually exclusive. They don't, it, it doesn't overlap the way that I, in my mind, think they do. Or if you do think they overlap, how are you able to keep pushing yourself to, grow, to change, to do more, to do better, when the fear of failure feels like ever more looming and scary, the more successful you become. So just throwing that out there, would love to hear your feedback on that. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Again, I super, super appreciate your support. Please follow the show at Light Files on Instagram. Please send me your messages and feedback. It really does mean a lot to me. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. And thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day and week, and I'll talk to you again soon.